0: Live from the meantime in Austin, Texas, this is the Sandlot Revolution
1: Podcast. This is what a rambler sounds like. Delicious sparkling water made with our limestone mineral blend. This is what a rambler sounds like. Because rambler gives back to the environment. Ramblers do it better. Visit ramblersparklingwater.com to learn
0: more. Local legend and the artist behind I Love You So Much, Amy Cook joins us today to talk about her music, art, and future career. This is Sandlot. All right. All right. Uh, Daniel Northcutt, Brian Hood, Howard Carey here with Amy Cook, stud, <laughs> artist. D one athlete, musician, future therapist, (laughs) personality extraordinaire, all the things, and second baseman of the Playboys for sixteen years.
2: Oh, has it been that long? Yeah, that's amazing. (laughs) It's so weird. It's just like family now. Like, I can't even think of when it's almost how it started. Or
0: just, I remember my first game with you. It was, I can't. Was it in Alabama? It was either Alabama or Marfa. I can't remember which one, but you were p- going to pitch. <laughs> and you walked up to me and you go, I'm going to listen to you. You look like you know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> think <laughs> we did all right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, to tell us um, what's going on with Amy Cook these days. We'll, we'll get into uh, some of this history here in a little bit.
2: Yeah. Um, well, I just got into grad school at UT. So, uh, yeah, I'm getting my master's in social work, Um, and I don't know, it's like post-COVID just trying to get back into, like, whatever I'm supposed to get back into.
1: (laughs) How many times did you catch it?
2: How many times did I catch? COVID? What's that?
1: How how many times did you have COVID?
2: Oh, I had COVID um, once, but I had COVID once, like, at the very end, like... Version. Five months ago or something. Cold, the, the bad cold version? I wouldn't have even had known that I had COVID, except I had to get tested for work, and it came up positive.
1: I'm really oh. glad I, I got it. If I had made it this far and never, you know, not been part of the club, mm-hmm. been really depressing. I was left out as a kid, and if I was left out, no.
2: You feel left out by the COVID
1: I'm glad, bug? I'm glad I got it. I don't know if I feel left out. I don't know. If I, I, I,
3: I wouldn't <laughs> want that feeling, though. No. Glad, glad that you got the opportunity to potentially pass away. I don't know what's going on here with that. It's <laughs> one way to look at it.
2: Okay.
0: So, um,
2: Wow, this Rambler is delicious.
0: It is delicious. Isn't oh, it?
2: crispy oh. in the morning even. Mm-hmm.
0: We love our sponsors, Rambler and Lone Star. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how did you get on the team? How, how did that happen?
2: Um, I think that I'd been hanging out with Jack and Ann a little bit. And um, we went, we came to Alabama that year. And then somebody was pitching. I think, I can't remember who it was. And it was just not going well. We put like three people in. And I wasn't on the team. I was just in the stands. And Ann Tucker gave me her jersey. (laughs) It was like, go out there. (laughs) Like I had my jeans on and I put like a, I think a belt around Ann's shirt or something, and um, I think that was the first time, and I I struck out (laughs) this one guy on the the Alabama team, and he goes, it dropped late, (laughs) it dropped late. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, that was the first, my first experience with the Playboys, and then I was just on the team after
0: that. I'm sure you weren't nervous, you were a competitive softball player, right?
2: I was, yeah, I played on like traveling teams in in high school, and I played um, basketball in college. Right, Pepperdine.
0: Yeah, nice. She used to give it to the Zags. Oh yeah, (laughs) (laughs) we
2: took those Zags down. (laughs) No, we weren't very good.
0: (laughs) Um, and so you're 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 still playing as much as you can, like all of us, dropping in, dropping out. Yeah, totally. Yeah, but uh, I try to
2: stay for at least the first half of the game. Yeah, <laughs> Get overwhelmed by the atmosphere of <laughs> so many folks, but right. it's fun.
0: Yeah, it's fun. The uh, are you still creating art?
2: Yeah, I actually still. Um, that's become my sort of new, like way of just feeling good. It's uh-huh. like drawing. Yeah. Nice. So I, I try to do that as much as I can. Cool. I'm getting a weird. Is it that I'm moving? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to stop moving. <laughs> very very yeah, still. These
0: mics are, are <laughs> kind of pretty directional. What are you working on right now, drawing?
2: I'm just working on some super big pieces, like uh, the ones I had at the longtime art show um, last summer at the end of COVID. Um, they're big pieces uh, like watercolor and uh, ink. So I'm finishing up a few of those. I'm, I'm going to ask Jack if I can put it them up there and see if anybody wants to come take a look at them before the season's over.
3: Excellent. Mm -hmm. I love those. I want to come take a look at them.
2: Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
3: You Um, working with any other galleries or art houses?
2: No, not right now. Just just the Jack Sanders machine is just where it's at. It's a good
3: (laughs) good machine. It's a good machine.
2: (laughs) No, I, I like I've never been very good at promoting myself or doing any of those kind of things. So um I just kind of like make art and then something happens or it doesn't with the art. But, like, I've made it, and that's pretty much the point for me. So,
0: And are you making any music
2: anymore? Yeah, I have a ton of songs I'm working on. Um, and so, yeah, I'm still working on records. I put one out last year, and I'll probably put one out um, maybe the end of this year or next year. But I just don't really play live anymore. So um, just make the songs. Yeah put them up <laughs> move on to the next thing <laughs> um
0: so yeah artists musician how many albums do you have now
2: oh seven i think yeah maybe eight
0: it's unbelievable very prolific <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and your art i mean you've got tons of art at home still like, i make just, tons of art yeah yeah mm-hmm. stuff everywhere yeah um So how is that, how did you decide to go the route of social work and therapy?
2: Um, Well, I I don't know that it was like really, okay, so my dad died a year ago, like actually a year ago tomorrow. And um, I was just thinking about not how short things are, you know, like he had a long life, but just... A lot of it had to do with, like, financial stability, too. Like, I'm sort of at an age where I'm like, you know what? I don't want to, like, bust ass so hard, like, work it, like, trying to scrap for jobs and money. And I wanted to um, do something that I like to do. And this was always kind of a plan of mine to go into social work. I just hadn't um, gotten serious about, like, executing it until... Yeah. Until I I had a social, my dad had a social worker, um, from hospice and she was awesome. And I just sort of like, it just got in my head and, um, he left me a little bit of money, but you know, just, I could see it just like being gone, you know, it was like not enough to, but it was enough to go to school. So I just decided, you know, I'm just going to do that and, um, sort of pivot career wise to something else that I'm super interested in and passionate about. So
0: very cool. Yeah. And are you, are you do you see applying your art and music already in to future work or is it too soon kind of for that?
2: No, I'm kind of, I, I work at the sobering center right now and um, which is an amazing place. It's a hospital and jail diversion program here in Austin. Um, and we have a holdover program um, where people that have like relapsed from a sober living or rehab can come and stay and, I've kind of helped design a little bit of a um, creative aspect to the holdover program. So I really like to, especially art therapy, I'm super interested in. So yeah, I think that I'll um, definitely sort of move that way towards being able to figure out a way to um, use that in what I do.
0: No horse therapy.
2: Equine therapy. I don't get it, man. (laughs) The horses are amazing. Like, no, you could not know that much about me because of which horse I just walked over to. <laughs> oh,
0: that is funny. The horse can't possibly know that much about me. They're like,
2: they're like, Amy, why did you pick that horse? I'm like, I don't know. They're like, well, that's the alpha horse. <laughs> Does that seem like something in your life? Uh, uh, nope.
0: Ugh. <laughs> uh.
2: Is that how that works? Yeah. Really? Yeah, horses are like very, like we're very sensitive on this like level that we can't even really like necessarily notice. Interesting. It's like the empath stuff.
1: And so the the horse that you pick, without having had a discussion with the horse yet, Mm -hmm. says something about the Mm -hmm. therapeutic process that one Mm -hmm. goes through.
2: Yeah. Interesting. Or like points out something about you that you maybe hadn't noticed before. Does the Just ul- because the relationship to the animal.
1: Does the ultra sensitivity of the animal, do they believe that it draws that patient or the person to the horse?
2: Yeah. Un- un- In no- some way, but un- unconsciously. Un- no, yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. In, like, I don't know the ins and outs. I'm not an equine therapy <laughs> expert, but I have been to several psych hospitals. So, <laughs>
0: yeah, it's pretty wild stuff. It's uh, it's amazing how how prevalent it is because it sounds so wacky. And it's, oh yeah, it's it's almost in every program. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I don't really totally get it, but it, it is something woo woo about <laughs> our connection. You know, just connection. So.
1: I figured it was a Mr. Ed situation, and that's just literally you was, what I was just. just they and the, really you, have talking you, horses. You and the horse on the couch. And <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm naive sometimes. Though, you know Do you? My, my friend John D. sells the greatest joke, and I wish that I could tell a joke. Do you have the capability of editing this, like, so that I can tell this joke? Yeah. Okay, so. Oh, good, because it's about dogs. Oh, good, it's about talking dogs. <laughs> So, uh, there's this guy, he's driving and he's like going to get gas and he sees, he stops at the gas station and he sees the sign and it says, uh, uh, talking dog, $10. And he was like, okay. So he goes inside and he talks to the guy at the counter. He's like, so talking dog, like what? He's like, oh yeah, he's back there. You can, you can have a chat with him if you want. And he goes, oh, okay. So he walks back there and he, and there's a, did I say dog? I'm. Okay, so he's talking to this the dog, and he's like, hey, so you talk? He's like, yeah, I've been talking my whole life. Uh, first, I you know, I was in the war, and they just they would take me around because I could understand the conversations. And just, you know, in all the important meetings, they had me as a spy, and I would come back. And, t-. and he tells this whole long story about all this, his time in the war and his time, like, saving kids' lives and his time in just, like, all these different... And it's 10 minutes have gone by, and the guy's like, okay... This is amazing. So, I'm, so he goes back to the front and he goes, "Hey, so that dog's amazing. Like, what? Ten bucks? Why ten bucks?" He goes, "That dog's a fucking liar. He did never did any of that shit." <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> awesome.
0: I'm not very good at telling jokes. <laughs> John D's one. much better at it than I am. No,
2: that's a good one.
0: I like it. I like it. Um, what, do you, what do you got? I got therapy
1: questions. Okay. Um, so I didn't know most of what I just I mean, learned. I haven't
2: been to grad school yet, just so you know. Like, I'm not, I'm like, I'm not speaking as, as any kind of
1: professional in any kind of field. Yes, but you have played Sandlot for 16 years and been involved yeah, in the true. community, seen the progression of it, seen the oh, growth, yeah. met the, seen what it does for all the thousands of people that you've met or at least observed uh, along the way. Uh, you work currently in a uh, therapeutic environment. I do. Um, you recognized there, there had been something passionate or uh, d- deep down that made you select social work mm-hmm. as your grad program. Um, talk about what Sandlot means to you. Whether it be the camaraderie and your teammates, whether it be a, a Saturday out at the long time and and uh, no worries except baseball and you know what position I'm going to play next inning or what have you and um, and from from my perspective I see a lot of that uh, in my dugout across all my team um, the fans that are there certainly events at the long time um, and, and that means a lot to me I think it's uh, missing in a lot of communities the um, vulnerability and the uh, the willingness or um, ability to have a you know um, have a discussion a meaningful discussion with someone else about what you need and uh, that's that's alive and well within Sandlot from my perspective, and just interested in uh, you know you I've been doing it four years. You've been out at sixteen, and uh, interested in your viewpoint.
2: All right. Um, well, first of all, like the Sandlot for me is totally about community. Like, I feel like I have a family, and like if anything happened to me, I they would help take care of me, or you know, like I could a- ask say if I need something or whatever. It's like a you know, social club is, like, a really kind of social pleasure club, you know, it's kind of goofy, but I really feel like, um, like, sometimes I think, oh, man, I could, maybe I live somewhere else, and I'm like, but the Playboys, you know, like, I would just totally miss the community, Um, and just even, like, I know I don't make it to every game, and I get more excited about playing, and then I get tired, you know, but I don't make it all the time, but it's just it's just a part of you guys are like a part of me in a way you know like just brothers I got a bunch of brothers and um and now we have extended family which is awesome um which is ma that's an amazing part of it to me is like we had this team and that was what it was and now they're just like we will never run out of people to play <laughs> like it was, <laughs> first it was like who are we gonna play and now it's just like oh man there's so many people to play and I was standing outside at one of the Friday night lights games and I was playing, I was on second and Jack was on first. And I was like, "Dude, Jack, thanks for the baseball. Like it was just (laughs) like, so great to be like, I remember a kid and going to my dad's like soft city league softball games, you know? And I was just like, this is so awesome. Like people don't get to do this. Like they don't get to be grown ass, like 47 year olds, like just like playing baseball for fun, you know? And I was just super grateful. Um, that, for Jack and um, y'all, I don't know if that a- answered a question. Of course, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's great. It's
0: it's uh, <clears throat> you may not know the extent of of like how many teams and how many. I mean, this weekend there was a eight team uh, kind of round robin, just tournament. weekend tournament kind of a thing in Raleigh. Oh, wow. There's one next weekend in Nashville <laughs> with 10 teams, <laughs> and they're full-on Sandlot. That's I mean, awesome. uh, teams from Austin are going to both. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's it it really is fun seeing everybody do it their way. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, somebody just came out, the, the, a local team, the Parakeets, just came out with some baseball cards, like some 70s throwback That's baseball awesome. cards, which are great-looking.
2: I haven't we done our baseball cards yet? We got like ten photographers on the team. I know. Well, <laughs> there were those photos
0: from years ago. There were some photos. And Remember, they we did the whole thing. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Humphreys had those. Did he take them? He took uh, Humphreys okay. took like a bunch of pictures. Because Dave
0: Mead took a bunch too.
2: Yeah, but
0: they
3: never. <laughs> no. Sixteen year work in progress. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Jack and I were talking about ball cards and eighteen, nineteen. Yeah. Oh yeah. So you know. It's uh, one day. One day.
0: One day. <laughs> one day. Do you ever, are, are you very um, introspective about sports or did you just play? Like, Cause I, I, I just played and I've gotten a little bit more. What
2: introspective do you mean about
0: introspective
2: more, about sports?
0: <clears throat> like, do you think of things like a question we've asked here a couple of times? This is just an example. Ask people like, did you think about the last time you, walked off a basketball court at Pepperdine as of, like, this is oh. going to be my last time? Or, you know, do you think about baseball as a beautiful game at this point? Or is there any, you know, do you do you think that way? I don't very often. It takes effort or a lot of repetitive, you know, conversations to, to kind of get there.
2: Yeah, I think I'm just more in the game. Yeah. Like, I'm more into the game as, like... Um, I don't know, I think that, like, competitiveness and um, camaraderie and um, being in the moment, like, those are the things about the game that I love. Um, I don't think I generally spend too much time being sentimental about that kind of stuff. Um, like, the last time, this or that, yeah. I don't know, I just don't, I think I'm more like you, I'm just, like, in the game, Yeah. not thinking about what's going to happen because of the game, like, or if I'm going to... I think, like, maybe if I, w- if I had of been born male and had, like, a chance at, like, a you know, a career in, like, a basketball or baseball or something like that, I might have a different feeling about it. But I never made it my whole life right. like that, so.
0: It's interesting. And, and having written and done seven albums, you know, all that writing and, and thought... I would, I would kind of I would have expected maybe
2: the other answer I don't well I, I think I actually, what's great about sports is like it's a distra- it's in a way a distraction from all that stuff like I can be you know my sort of melancholy self all the time but then you know you're playing baseball like I don't have to worry about any of the stuff that I'm constantly thinking about and that's what I like about about games
0: yeah sure
1: and that's interesting the point that you bring up about <clears throat> if you had been born a male and or had the opportunity to have a career in athletics. I grew up playing sports and I did uh, not me personally from a talent standpoint, but as a male, mm. I w- I could have, you know, of course I'd love to be in the NFL right now or love to be playing center field for the Astros or, um, and so you played and you were obviously an elite athlete You played at the college level and good at two different sports. And, um, Wouldn't have thought, you know, the answer is black and white that you wouldn't have thought in that direction because there wasn't a direction to think about. Yeah, Uh, exactly. Interesting.
2: Yeah. It was like you played college and that was that. Like WNBA wasn't, I don't even think it was around when I was, yeah. You still got game? I got a little game. It's not awesome. I can't believe how far that like the three pointing, the <laughs> three point shooting right now is just sick. It's like, they're like basically at half court, just like swishing the ball. Like it's nothing. Yeah, it is It's like this whole March madness has been or April, April now. But yeah. Yeah. It's nuts. It uh, is
0: crazy. The, um, uh, I was trying to play, <clears throat> I gave up basketball probably 10 years ago, maybe longer. And, uh, uh, was trying to play with my nephew. <laughs> and, I mean, it was pathetic. I, I, like, could not stop shooting air balls. <laughs> no matter what I did. It was, like, online, short, every time. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm going to get my legs It's under.
2: really <laughs> different for me to, to try to shoot basketball. Like, I have dreams where, like, I can't shoot the ball anymore. Like, I can't dribble. <laughs> like, so then I have to go outside and, play, like, make sure that I can still, like, dribble the ball. But baseball, like... It, I don't ever feel like throwing that, ha- like that that happens. Like yeah. that it takes so like, it's like riding more like riding a bike, throwing yeah. and catching. Yeah. Whereas like th- shooting at basketball is like, Oh my God, like I don't have <laughs> this muscle anymore. <laughs> right. Like, how am I going to get it up there?
1: So yeah. You still exaggerate every, you know, you sounds like you both have fundamentals and technique in shooting back in a jump shot or what have you. And you try to, exaggerate those and, you, and you're right the muscles aren't behind that that, oh, that yeah. form <laughs> that where it used to work and that technique and it feels horrible what, was your nephew laughing at you making fun of you
0: no he wasn't much better so <laughs> <laughs> he didn't know any better
2: uncle, <laughs> uncle howard airball <laughs> <laughs> it uh, feels worse in my body than it looks i think <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> Northcut, you got anything Man, I'm just so long for the ride.
2: <laughs> <But> <laughs> I was
3: curious to see where where all this was gonna was gonna go. How long's your program?
2: Two years. Two years. Yeah. Oh, in
3: and out, then set up shop. Yeah. Out,
2: out. Oh, I'm gonna do social work yeah. for a while. So, social yeah, work for sure. Um, I don't know in what you know. I have they do a lot of field internship uh, or field work programs. So um, we will see what I get get into. But like, I really like working at the sobering center. Uh, at risk population you know feels like doing something for the community yeah,
3: that's that's great it sounds like you're going to integrate art um, fairly easily within your practice um, immediate and, and future And a lot of us really think about Sandlot as it's a mental health it's released as you said you can get out there and not be anxious about anything just be out there and, mm-hmm. and live in the moment and enjoy is there uh any way or have you thought about the mental health side of, of sandlot and maybe there's a collision of, of worlds down the road or something that you envision keeping separate
2: oh i never really thought about that before that's an interesting question i i feel like um i feel like like as we get older we sort of like have gotten a little better at like oh, okay like like, I might need a little help right now. You know, just sort of noticing each other's, like, sort of state of mind if we're not doing so well. or Because we're kind of each other's, like, you know, support in a lot of ways. So, I don't know that I see the things, like, sort of systematically coming together. But more just, like, just kind of us all being more open towards um, a space of um, being compassionate about anxiety and depression and all those kind of things. Um, but, I, like, in terms of, like, a formal alliance, like, I don't know about that, but I feel like um, that's just important to me to know that, you know, my friends are okay and that we're all, you know, taking care of each other. So, mm-hmm. um, in that way, I don't know. I don't know if it has anything to do with, like, profession or just who I am as a person. I prefer these sort of small conversations. Certainly. So. Well,
3: surely the ethos and... and ideology of of the sandlot mentality and specifically jack sanders and you've spent a very intimate like amount of time with with that dude who mm-hmm. most folks consider the the godfather of modern modern sandlot and like you know a major catalyst behind the the current sandlot revolution movement and we all know especially just from being friends but certainly playing on the team with him that and and everything that he put down in that manifesto that's sitting in front of you, that he's got a different thought process and he greatly applies Sandlot to his day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I know I certainly try to take the, the key aspects and and mentality of, of his style of game and the Playboys world into into my world, which is hospitality. Um, so I would imagine it would be not a very far drift to, to move it into the, the therapeutic world. You know, as far as, Taking time to breathe and focus and, I mean, hell, let it all go for a minute, you know? Yeah, I that's get, what I love
2: about our um, pregame. Yeah. Our stretch. You know, I just feel like that's, like, a, a time that's basically, like, like doing yoga. Like, it's a spiritual, like, moment that we all have, you know? It's, like, 15 minutes of just breathing and stretching. And, mm-hmm. like, that's basically mindfulness, you know? Yeah. So, um, I think it's sort of just integrated into our uh, culture in a way. But um, I do like the idea of I do think about like my art and music as sort of a Sandlot thing. I just had I don't know that I've made the transition to um, how to think about uh, social work in terms of that. It's interesting. I'm going to think about it now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Write a song about it. You said you said we've gotten better. A minute ago, in answer to, to Northcott's question, you said we've gotten better. And I think you were talking about society, not Sandlot-specific. We've gotten better at asking for help, um, being vulnerable, is, is I think what you meant. And I would yeah. push back and say we've gotten a little better as a society. And your question's a good one, Daniel. Sandlot, to me... And it's part of the reason I'm so excited and so engaged and so passionate about the show, um, being, you know, ramping up the awareness across the country that we can do this. I think Sandlot organically breeds a therapeutic environment. And <clears throat> particularly for men who are a lot, where it's, where it's alive and well, where we don't know how to ask for help or ask for a hug or, um, you know, uh, be vulnerable. I think I see it left and right, and uh, you know uh, we interviewed James Butler, who's um, Austin ISD and is at UT, uh, a mindfulness expert and and instructor. And um, I I think there is a place for some level. I I hate the word structured, but some level of organized um, resource, a set of organized resources, not just therapeutic mindfulness therapy, yoga, financial help, um, you know, for our community because I think we're so, A, we have a lot of really smart people that are, um, uh, the word I'm looking for is selfless. And, you know, I see left and right folks giving back to, to our community, not even knowing they're doing it. And I, it might, I'll wrap this up. My point is I think there is a, a place for some level of um, a resource library if you will whether it be a conversation with someone or a set of tools or a what have you that you know this rapidly growing nationwide um sandlot community would benefit from sure
2: yeah absolutely
1: it's already there organically
2: that's what i'm that's kind of like was what i was saying it feels like it, in a way like it is there it's like built into because the relationships that we build with each other um Oh, I had something I was gonna say. Um,
1: yeah. I don't know. It was brilliant, I
2: know. No, it's it's interesting. I like I I mean the whole Sandlot thing was based on Jack's experience with the Newborn Tigers and their whole thing was the reason they had the games and the reason they sold the Scotch by the little plastic cup, you know, is to help their people on their team and to help their community with you know they'd pay for pay for people with, and so that's yeah, why fun- we
0: funeral expenses yeah and that all that
2: kind of stuff if somebody was sick they'd take mm-hmm. care of them so that's and and we just happen to have um more means on our team by which to like like we don't necessarily need to always raise money for people so we turn it into like a oh we'll raise money for ham or we raise money for the sobering center. So, in a way, that's kind of what we're doing. It might be a little like more macro than—I uh, hate that word—on um, uh, a different scale than you're talking about. Um, but in terms of like the whole idea of Sandlot, like that is the whole idea of Sandlot: is that we're there for each other.
1: And I don't know if it's the persona of a Sandlotter. Or- any more than it is, it just makes sense. I mean, we're already getting together and playing a baseball game, and thanks to Jack and you guys and the Playboys and every you know the, those that have come along since, there are a ton of people that join those events. So we're already getting together, you know, whether it be a hundred people or four hundred people, and we're for the most part really cool, really smart, really good humans, mm-hmm. uh, whether you're on the field or not, and getting everyone together let's let's tack on a couple philanthropic components for that Saturday or um, and it's just again it it happens organically it always has and that's that's one of the beauties of our culture and our community is that um, you're not I'm not calling up for donations for a certain deal I'm just having a baseball game and putting a a sign out and money tip jar money jar for some fundraiser and it's going to be half full at least by the end of the day yeah in most cases.
0: Which I don't know why that made me think of it, but Amy's a really
2: good shit talker, too. <laughs> I'm always so embarrassed after I go on one of my like shit talking rants. I'm just like Amy, God damn it,
1: stop from, talking. From out. the dugout or while stop you're talking. on the field or what? Dugout. Let's <laughs> hear more about this. What
2: are, what are some of your favorite one liners? Throw it harder. 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 Faster. harder. Uh. You know, like you get those assholes. They're like. They're like 102 miles an hour, and they're just like, (laughs) they've already hit the ump in the face, you know. It's like, come on. It's like, we are old. We do not need more injuries and like, you know.
3: It is definitely the most shit talk I've ever heard in Sandlot is Amy Cook on the vent. (laughs) Rather, in the dugout, hanging on the fence, just (laughs) going off. Love it. That guy flipped me off, (laughs) Good times. Well, you know. Well, I'm not
2: as good as Lalo, but the, Lalo really will get me going. Yeah. He'll really get me going.
1: There's a poetry and an art behind shit talking for sure.
2: <laughs> you probably
0: hate talking about this, but I've got to bring it up because I want everybody in the world to know it at some for some Uh-oh. At some point. <laughs> what is it? But it's that you are the creator of the I love you so much. Oh, the yes. Austin tagline, I... basically.
2: Yes. Yeah. I am the creator of the I love you so much. Yeah. Wow. Those dogs are getting after
3: dog shenanigans outside. Uh Brian hoodies on the case. Um, yeah, I wanted to bring that up as well. I didn't know. I know we've had many conversations, um, and some one in particular briefly, maybe a few years ago, but, uh, there's, I think a lot of lore and story behind that. What's your, obviously the, the true, uh, version, but what's the story behind that art, and how do you feel about it now?
2: Oh, the um, story about that art is that I spray painted it uh, on an, uh, for, an ex, for my person at the time. is yeah, <laughs> now yeah. an ex-person, um, and then people liked it, I guess.
3: And so you just tagged it on the side of a business? Yeah, on yeah. the side of a business when no one was
2: watching. It was in the middle of the day, though. Was, like, South Congress wasn't as busy as it is now. <laughs> you could do something like that without anybody seeing in that's the weird. middle of the day. <laughs> what, uh, what year was that? 2010. 2010. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Oh, so, uh, yeah, I'm just waiting for my big fat check from all the people making I Love You So Much stuff. <laughs> I haven't seen that one yet, but. it's oh, that's weird. Right? I'm sure How they've got works. it and I'm sure all of them have it in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> right? We got to get this check out to Amy. We got to get this money back to Amy. <laughs>
0: but you now you have uh, done it on uh, as other... You've been commissioned to do it in someone's house, I know.
2: Yes, that's the only one I've ever done.
0: Oh, just one other yeah. one.
2: I got, they asked me to do it at the airport, and I said no. I've said no to all the other ones.
0: Yeah. So,
2: yeah. Just
0: money. It's just... No.
2: Yeah, I mean, I was, it's like if you... If you want me to do it, then pay me to do it, and nobody's paying me to, for all the stuff they're making and selling anyway. So yeah. I'm just kind of like the uh. airport. When you gonna pay you? Like what? The airport. When you gonna pay you? They're gonna pay me like a thousand
3: dollars. Oh, Okay. I mean, did, that's they comp- cool, did they come? But like they, they wanted they it you-
2: to be huge and like a mural, and I'm like, I couldn't even do it for a thousand dollars. Yeah, you
3: know? a thousand bucks. And did they hit you with? Oh, the exposure you'll get off. Oh, totally, <laughs> totally. I've been hearing that. I've been hearing
2: that. It's my favorite line in every it's endeavor every, I've every ever been in. favorite line. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh man, I got this great South by shows. Tons of people going to be there, and then what's going to happen? <laughs> exactly. So you basically, you're saying, can you come play for free? <laughs>
3: Well, that art is certainly, you know, within not just Austin, pop culture, but Texas and the culinary tourism within um, this city is vast. So that is known uh, far and wide. And um, and you're continuing to produce music. You got a new album that uh, we had an album out last year and you got one coming up at some point in time in the future. Why no live gigs? Oh,
2: um, no, I when I realized how anxious I was all the time, which like happened really late in life for me, like I didn't realize how much anxiety that I had. and um, I was thinking about shows and how nervous I would get, like from the time I booked a show until the, like and the day before and the day of, it was just like it was like almost torture, like I just could not. Um, and touring was torture because every minute was just like, I was just anxious about the show. And then the only great time was like right after the show, <laughs> like when I've done all, the, I've like driven to the thing, I've like set up the merch, I've got the hotel, like I've done the sound check, I've done the show, I've sold the merch. Like, and then I'm like, ah, oh, like, okay, we can do it again tomorrow. But it's the, it was the only kind of relaxed, like time where I felt like not a sense of dread, um. And then I also, when you're just sort of playing on and off every show, like if you're not playing every night, like then it's always feels like a one off where you're like, oh, I gotta get, I gotta practice and like gear up for this, right? And so then I'm nervous that whole day too. And I, I just at some point realized I just can't deal with the way that I feel. Like I'm fine once I get up there, but the sure. anxiety leading up to was debilitating in a way that like I could not do get anything else done certainly
3: yeah so. i would imagine like a regular gig you can find that pocket and you kind of yeah. hit the velvet right and you get that repetition but the start totally. stop start stop is a completely different scenario that can be i mean i get it from an anxiety perspective like that's that's daunting and and can be damaging so yeah good on you for listening listening to yourself you know i was i was well into my 40s before I was able to recognize my own anxiety, much less do anything about it, i.e. shut it down or laugh at it. And, you know, but I I didn't even know, you know, during my thirties what all that was. Yeah. I I just had no idea. Me too. I I felt like a dumbass now. Yeah. Like, how did did I not even know,
2: like, what that felt like in my body or, like, that that wasn't a normal experience like I was. why are my friends just like having dinner like nothing's about to happen (laughs) (laughs) they're just eating and maybe having a beer like and then they're just like gonna go to the thing get up there and I'm just like in a million like knotted up like (laughs) pieces inside myself so yeah that was uh I don't get that with sports
0: (laughs) Uh, and then then I would imagine not that there certainly needs to be anything on top of that, but the fact that you your your last album was very produced with lots of instruments and you played them all, and that wouldn't have made any sense of you going on tour trying oh, to put together a band, <laughs> playing <laughs> yeah, all yeah. the different instruments, or getting a band together. I can't I can't imagine that that would have been. Uh, need less anxiety
2: yeah i'm actually much right? i'm much better with other people up there with me oh yeah yeah like if i know like i, w- I would do this show like once a month with john d graham and Abra and william harry's graham and we would like play radio every the first sunday of every month and that's like a gig i can like get down with like we're all just sitting there playing on each other's songs it's like very sandlot to me yeah. <laughs> you know like i don't have any anxiety about like share like being with other people, but it's just like all that, like being by myself up there thing. Is,
3: you've, got, you've got the personality, like the classic personality of a drummer who can coexist and kind of fall back and do their thing. But you chose to be a songwriter instead, yeah, be I in I the do. spotlight. I should have
2: just learned to play the drums. <laughs> I could have made more money too. <laughs>
3: Could have been a nobody session.
2: needs another folk singer, but everybody needs a drummer.
3: You could have been a session player, Dude. you could have just been hiding.
2: Man. Damn it. Where were you like 25
3: years ago? I tell you what, man. I, I missed my my call-in that I missed was I should have been a surgeon. Because oh. knowing what I know now, like fake it till you make it, memorize it and forget it, which is how I operate. Like, I could have made it through med school mm-hmm. and I would have been a freaking ace surgeon with like steady hand and like this the way I I operate I know I could have but I thought dumbly ignorantly you know growing up I was like well I could never finish med school and keep up with all the information those dudes don't keep up with shit man (laughs) I got a buddy who's a foot and ankle surgeon (laughs) he he, all he has to do is memorize the foot he does the same surgery over and over and just makes buku's money Like, damn it, I missed my call. I don't
2: know that it's too late,
3: but... I mean, well, you know... Good point. you
2: got to find, like, four years of free time, maybe. Yeah, I mean, <laughs>
3: technically you're correct, but, like, the odds of me applying myself now... I mean, I retired from co- college after two and a half years with 13 credits to my name. Oh, okay. Like, I knew I was going to own restaurants and bars since I was 13. Oh, okay. So, you know, so yeah. you're not
2: totally, like, devastated that you're not a surgeon?
3: No, not necessarily. <laughs> it's just... Pisses me off that I could have been. I just didn't know. I mean, we need more of that. Where was my counselor in high school telling me what my options were? Plus, the plus you got this podcast that's launched yeah, now. Oh, this is—I mean, not, this is a seven-figure contract, <laughs> undoubtedly. Tomorrow, and then six uh, years from now, you know how big will it be? No
1: time for no time for medical learnings. Um, you know that, uh, Amy? You know that uh, there's a wiring in your brain that. It gives you a mental block that you many times can't control, especially if you're not aware of it. That leads to that anxiety, and it's not you. It's not you consciously being afraid of something. There's fear. There is fear in in the anxiety, but there's a. It's what we were talking about before the show: HSP and personality types, and there's a wiring and a level of um, uh, needing to see needing to see the end product uh, that blocks you from delivering it, b- mm. blocks you from, um, and you, you, you know, when you have other people to carry some of that weight, mm-hmm. then that sensitivity or that worry goes away. And uh, I'm no therapist or no scientist, but I've been studying uh, some of very some things very specific to what you just mentioned. And uh, it's helped me to learn that uh, there's a, it's it's a genetic uh, mm-hmm. characteristics. Twenty uh, percent of people are HSP, highly sensitive, uh, and um, you everything. A lot of the things you've talked about today are, are like tall tale signs, and and including the letting being overwhelmed, being overwhelmed all the time, mm-hmm. and is, which is my case, and then letting that being overwhelmed uh, prevent you from accomplishing things.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a. That's the really frustrating thing about it, right? Like, I know if I didn't, if I weren't, it like it feels personal too. It feels like I'm doing something wrong, like that I could fix if I just did this or that, or wasn't so, uh, or was more, huh? But like, it's not about that. So it's, it's not uh, about that. That's yeah. right.
1: It's nothing you can fix. Uh, you you can become aware of it, and yeah. You can become and and learn how to use the strengths which are which are many of that personality type to get you,
2: you know. Yeah, to regulate yourself. Exactly. Yeah, exactly.
3: There's a great, and I don't know very much about it, so I'm not going to speak intelligently about it, but stoicism, kind of the basic principles of of that, and it's not that you're going to necessarily affect or change anything. It's just how you react to, yeah, which is very much a like, hey, let's just get on this ride and go, and I've certainly tried to adopt and adapt to that perspective because yeah, I ain't, I'm not necessarily controlling anything outside of myself and telling my stupid head to shut up whenever it tries to intervene in day-to-day life yeah. you know
2: hopefully kindly <laughs> oh, of course
3: <laughs> of course um but yeah back to what you're saying about getting out on the ball field and just letting it go and you know I get out there and and breathe and move and I mean you know this fight or flight mentality and centuries and so many thousands of years of a very different world than what we live in mm-hmm. where, you know, we're in clustered neighborhoods and stacked on top of each other and major metropolises and, and it's and alone, alone, a lot of times and living way longer than probably anybody ever you know, thought that we should or, or would. Um, and so now it's like, if you don't get out and exercise, if you don't move your body of course, all your mind has to do is sit there and yeah. eat itself, you know? And, and so another testament to
2: Sandlot or anything, just get your yeah. ass outside. Totally. I have like a list of things to do. If like, cause the anxiety, like it's not going to not be there. Like it's, it's not going to go away and suddenly decide like, Oh, I'm not anxious anymore. It's not there. It's just like a thing that I got to manage. Right. And live with. And part of, doing that is moving around mm-hmm. and definitely like baseball and that's why I love the pregame stretch that we do um but yeah for sure get out I sometimes like I'm like oh I don't want to do anything I'll like just go outside start walking yeah like okay I can walk for 2 minutes I don't have to go all the way around the block but I can walk for 2 minutes and sometimes I go all the way around the block <laughs> hey <laughs>
1: Do you guys have a name for that pregame ritual?
3: Winning the pregame.
2: Oh. It is called winning the pregame. Oh. WPG. We don't really shorten it. It's just. You know, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah. I it was maybe like jerks
1: in a circle or something like that.
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> we should, I don't know. I don't, it just is winning the pregame. I don't think we can change that now.
0: No, that's that's the it's
1: like goal. It. It's part of the pregame. Part, part of the gospel.
3: I love yeah. it. Playboy sign a lot
1: y'all are all very y'all are all very uh in tune with just that circle and each other when you're when, you know from my perspective like outside looking in when I see y'all um practicing it
2: it uh you all are all very
1: dialed in to just that right then
0: and there just each other it's 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 cool
1: yeah
2: it's probably my favorite part
0: yeah it's it's a good uh time you're facing everybody it's the you know, it's the only time you know mm-hmm. the whole day of the of Sandlot, that you're all actually engaged with each other at totally. the same time.
2: Yeah, it's true. What else? What
0: else we got?
1: I'm still blown away by Pepperdine and hoops at Pepperdine. That's, oh, That's yeah. pretty cool. And what a cool place to go to college.
2: Well, that's why I went. Like, I was living in the um, middle of Central California for my junior, half my junior and senior year. I grew up in the Bay Area, but my uh, family moved. And um, the guy came with the brochure, <laughs> like, and he was like, you know, colleges send their little their scouts around to, like, I guess, recruit people to go to their school. Well, he brought the brochure, and that was all I needed. Like, I didn't know anything. I didn't get along with my parents at all either. So, the like, the point was just to get out
3: somewhere. Good God, thank you didn't. Thank, thank goodness you didn't get approached by a cult because dude, I would have been all in. I'm in. <laughs> like, where are we going?
2: <laughs> Let's
1: do it. Um, what do you want me to drink? <laughs>
2: <No problem>. <laughs> <laughs> Nikes. Doesn't, what? Doesn't <laughs> smell good. <but> <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, um, due to a lot of strange things that happened my sophomore year with my um family and living situation, I ended up uh missing my junior year of high school, um which was the year that recruiting really starts happening, and um I had like set records, um my sophomore year for like mm-hmm. most points scored at the high school, like stuff like that. And so I was like, really, really wanted to go to Stanford and play basketball. Like that was like the goal. And then all that kinda got messed up. And um so I walked on the Pepperdine team.
0: Cool. Yeah. And I've seen that the competitiveness. You struggle with the competitiveness over the over the years. You <laughs> know what? I <laughs>
2: love that about us too though, because I've seen us all kind of do that. Yeah. Like I like I remember like being real serious and competitive and like when we were younger we were just like, oh, or like, you know, like Modigs would get up there and be just so frustrated with themselves and now we're just like, we just laugh it off in such a different way. Yeah. But yeah, I, I could definitely, was not like the greatest of sports when I was angry and 18. So, <laughs> I'm a much better sport now. I'm much more fun to play, to play, to play. You're with fun it. to
1: watch too. Uh, so, we started our team four or five years ago now and y'all were one of our, you know, uh, you were one of the first females that I, where I recognized that there are women that play sandlot. Uh, and and I just remember some plays you made making it second base and like, and I I guess I feel bad saying this now that I'm saying it, but like, uh, you know, I'd coach my daughter's softball team. I get softball, 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 but Mm -hmm. you know, you didn't, anyway, you, you, are really good and, and I've seen you make several great plays and anyway.
2: Well, I played softball pretty competitively and I, um, I, um, God, I'm just watching some softball cause I never really watched it after and the, the pitcher stands so close. It is so <laughs> it's just like, close. I forgot like, oh, she's throwing like 78, 80 miles an hour and she's 45 feet away. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And just the ball being so big now, when I hold it, because I never, I I always played softball as a girl, but like playing baseball, I'm like, why, why don't we just play baseball? Like, it's, you and it's kind of the same. Like,
0: you yeah. and Howard need to go to lunch after this. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I've, I've ranted about it a couple of times. Uh, it it makes no sense. The bigger ball, moving it closer, where it's just as dangerous. I yeah. mean, yeah,
2: it. You're really close yeah. to that picture. Yeah, like, and and and, and, and to they're the wearing hitter. these big cages these yeah. now. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. I just like I don't know why we thought that women would have to have a bigger ball. Be closer to each other. Like what? What, <laughs> yeah. what was that decision? Because yeah, baseball's just fine. And yeah.
1: calling it a softball, is like calling is like same thing as calling a funny bone a funny bone. Like yeah, know, nothing's like, funny
2: like, and good. it ain't soft. Yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> and then post high school and college, it being, to my knowledge, largely dominated. I know there's coed teams and coed teams and female teams, but like men's softball is this whole another oh, thing. Yeah. It's like. It, yeah, none, none of it makes sense. We got sense guys now.
2: that are like men's softball players that are like moonlighting as sandlot players. Yeah. Uh like the switch has has a lot of guys that are on uh city teams yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Keith told me uh you know well, he told us when he was in here just how hard it was for him to turn it off origi- originally from the competitive softball. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and now he's he's kind of taking it back the other way. And <laughs> he's trying he said we're not nearly as good as we used to be. <laughs> so I'm kind of going back there.
3: That's pretty funny how intense it can be on that adult softball level. Mm-hmm. But then the same dudes come into Sandlot. And then they had, they'd learn to dial it back. And it's like, oh, yeah, we're playing hardball. We're playing baseball. Yeah, because
2: some assholes in the dugout but were going to we're going to throw chill. it harder. <laughs> harder. <laughs> the, be more serious about it.
3: The grunts in between are the, were my favorite, though, because you'd be like, ugh. <laughs> 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 you may or may not have pissed off a few pitchers in your time. <laughs> One in particular that I remember vividly. God, that was good.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm a jerk. Mm. Yeah. Well,
0: that's good. We're uh, we're coming up on time. Yeah, it's a quick, uh, quick hour.
2: Thank a you guys hour. for talking to me. Yeah. It's nice to talk to you.
0: It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> very nice to talk to you. You should come back and talk to us. Uh, okay. Yeah. As yeah. you continue your journey. For sure. When what? T- when are you going to school in the fall?
2: Yeah, and, uh, end of August. I think it starts. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Good luck. Thank you. Yeah,
3: Thank they're, you. They're cool. Good on you. Okay. All right. Thanks, Amy Cook. Sandlot forever. <sighs> yeah. Viva la Sandlot revolution.
1: I hope I didn't nerd up.
3: Our theme song
0: is by the Tender Things, written by number 33 of the Texas Playboys, Jesse Eball. <laughs>
3: See the day's
0: She knocked the hinges off the door, so I can't hold her anymore Sister Elizabeth wears a crooked smile beneath the slasher red Sister Elizabeth with golden hair down hanging by the bed. So much alone. As caught between the hammer and the
3: stone, but she'll get by. She'll get by. She'll get by. The
0: pennies she picked up along the way. The joker and the jack of hearts are always there to do their part,
3: but not so much alone.
0: Ah. Sister Elizabeth singing Pleasant is the valley where we pray
3: Nothing for nothing anyway.
0: So I let her take me down, only to find she ain't around. But well, not so much in the